0: what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's almost 10 o'clock a.m. on the 10th of January 2020. This is episode 178. Of Bitcoin, and we're going to start right in with some vital statistics. Uh, we got Bitcoin at a price of 8,045. It looks like our high is going to be over at BitAsset at 8,122. And we got a, oh, it looks like the hold on for a second. Yeah, it looks like the 48,045 is the low. Um, 332,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, 14,000 transactions on average per hour, almost a million BTC being sent in the last 24 hours with about 40,000 BTC being sent on average per hour with an average transaction value of 2.73 BTC and a median of 0.034 BTC or right around 270 bucks. Block times are a bit low at nine minutes, 14 seconds. We have 0.23 BTC being taken in fees every block and 36.39 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. We have a 4.5% increase in the hash rate, bringing us up to 105 exahashes per second. I repeat, 105 exahashes per second. And it also looks as if... The last commit to the GitHub Bitcoin Core repository was performed sometime yesterday. Everything seems to be in the green except for Doge. Ethereum at 142, Bcash at, oh God, 258.
1: (laughs) The bag holders.
0: Litecoin is at almost fifty at forty-eight bucks. BSV is an, another. uh, we'll get into that one. One hundred and forty-eight thirty-three. Uh, Ethereum Classic is over five at five and a quarter. And as I said, Doge has lost a little bit. Uh, our dog is chilling out at zero point zero zero two four USD with thirty-three thousand transactions. It is again walking all up and down the ass of Litecoin. Let's see what's going on with the mempool. We are three blocks deep with 3,600 transactions waiting for confirmation and everything is above one megabyte. The lightning network is almost green across the board. We have 11,014 nodes that we can see. That is a 2.5% increase in the last month. I really wish they'd just do that on a day. Whatever. We actually have that uh, in the new nodes section, but uh, whatever. Number of channels has increased by about 2%. We are at 35,607, and there's 865 BTC in the network, chilling out at a value of 6,840,000 USD. Uh, We have a 33% drop in the number of new nodes on a day-over-day basis. We only have eight new nodes. <clears throat> and we, but we have a 5.7 percent increase in the number of di- uh, diaper-wearing channels. We have 128. That's going to do it for Vitals. <music> Ladies and gentlemen, let us start today's morning roundup. With this one from our lawyer friend, Stephen D. Pally, at Stephen D. Pally on Twitter. As you may or may not know, Stephen is a lawyer, and he has a keen interest in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Seems to me mostly Bitcoin, but Jesus, just saw a whole bunch of uh, BitMEX wrecked tweets come across. Everything, just all the shorts got liquidated. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. whatever. Okay. So Pally, getting back to Pally, and this is going to relate uh, to this next story that I read. Uh, The idiocy that is uh, BSV, or God forbid I say it, Bitcoin SV, just so that we know what we're talking about, um, continues. And it continues unabated. And at what point Craig gets his sorry ass thrown in the pokey for screwing around with uh, federal judges? I don't know. But he's screwing around with federal judges yet again with the release of this. Now, let me just read Stephen's tweet here. And he has, he has the page from the United States District Court, Southern District of Florida. That's the Cleman uh, Wright case. Uh, he's got a, a screenshot of the first page of this motion or whatever the hell it is. But he says of it. In the latest edition of LOL, I invented Bitcoin for reals, the judicial version. We learn of the third Tulip Trust, which will no doubt provide all of the answers, I am sure, and identify the bondage courtier. (laughs) Stephen has a singular wit. Uh, If you're not following him, again, it's Stephen D. Pally on Twitter, and he always has some really interesting things to say about all the, the, the whole climbing right case and much more. Uh, If you're not following him, you, you should, you should reconsider. Uh, Honestly, you really should reconsider. What the hell is he talking about? Well, maybe I'll save that for the commentary and I'll let the news outlet, if that's what you want to call it, newsbtc.com, explain the idiocy, but The idiocy in this particular piece is couched in all manner of layers of hopium. Hopium for the BSV masses. Yes, we saw that BSV got a major kick in the ass as far as price on the rise is concerned. It surged like all of 28%, whatever. Let's just get into this idiocy that's written up by NewsBTC. Guys, I can't not do this one. I tweeted that out. I cannot not read you this. Okay. If for no other reason than the freaking lulls. Now the context is that BSV explodes 29% on tulip trust fears ease. This is Joshua Gola writing for this outfit known as news BTC Just listen to the language in this and keep in mind what you already know about Craig Stewart Wright and the fact that he's a liar and a fraud and he's suing cats and dogs and everything else under the fricking sun and himself is getting sued in Florida court and has demonstrated his idiocy, his lack of ability to program. There's no way this guy built Bitcoin. That's the context. Now let's get into this piece. The price of BSV surged a massive 28% on Friday as traders assessed a key development in the ongoing legal dispute involving founder Craig Wright. Founder of what? I'm hoping you're meaning BSV. The self-proclaimed Bitcoin creator submitted a total of 428 documents to the plaintiff's one of them allegedly including details of a trust that holds billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. Mr. Wright's legal counsels, counselors marked the paper Tulip Trust 3 as confidential. The decision raised suspicions that their client indeed was involved in the mining of first batch of Bitcoin alongside his deceased partner Dave Kleeman. Bitcoin SV supporters who expect Mr. Wright to dump part of that Bitcoin for BSV got euphoric on the news. As of 9.50 New York time, the BSV to dollar exchange rate had established an intraday high of $150.68 U.S. The gains appeared despite a lackluster of performance across the top 10 cryptocurrencies, showing that Bitcoin SV acted on idiosyncratic factors. Quote, I'll probably get shit for this, but wow, BSV kicking ass, said prominent crypto trader Patty Stash. This is me talking. I've never even seen a tweet from Patty Stash. I don't know who this guy is. I've been in crypto Twitter and Bitcoin Twitter for four freaking years. Never heard of this dude at all, ever. Not one, not one tweet. <sighs> Good God almighty. Continuing, a Florida district court late last year had ordered Mr. Wright to pay more than 500,000 Bitcoin to late Mr. Dave's brother. What? late Mr. Dave's brother, God, you guys can't write, to late Mr. Cleman's brother, Ira Cleman, is the way it should read, y'all, after finding Mr. Wright guilty of stealing the funds through forgery. Nevertheless, the controversial Satoshi Nakamoto said that he and Dave had locked all the funds in a digitally encrypted TULIP trust. He added that he had no access to the trust and that the first piece of information he would receive about it will be on January 1, 2020, quote, as I've explained in court proceedings, I believe I will receive information in January of 2020 that will enable us to identify coins I mined into my companies in 2009 and 2010, but cannot be certain that all of that information will in fact arrive, Mr. Wright said. Days before the said date, he told Bloomberg in an interview that the bond courier, bonded courier, which was to deliver him the details of the trust, may never arrive. His comments sparked criticism from the cryptocurrency community, with many calling Mr. Wright a liar and a scammer. Nevertheless, by filing a document in the court under the Tulip Trust tag, the BSV founder has raised the possibility of having information about the lost coin, their existence, oh my God, their existence could further prove that Mr. Wright is part of the team that invented Bitcoin. It's hard to read this, y'all, and why will be in the commentary. Mr. Wright's request to conceal potentially sensitive non-relevant information contained in the Tulip Trust 3 document has cast more doubts on the matter than it has resolved. Mr. Ira's, oh, God, Mr. Cleman's legal representatives. God, News BTC, get your collective crap together. Mr. Cleman's legal representatives argued that the document could have been produced in the court much before. Was this translated from dipshit? I don't, I don't know, man. it's hard to read twice. A because the grammar is really bad. Also, it's about Craig Wright possibly being Satoshi. It's all stupid. But BSV bulls are happy with the development, so it seems the cryptocurrency's latest price uptick now stands above key resistance levels. But the possibility of a fakeout has not been ruled out by an analysts. Okay, so that's it for this idiocy. All right. I'm I wanna I'm gonna go back and read this one little bit again. Hold up. Nevertheless, by filing a document in the court under the Tulip Trust tag, the Bitcoin SV founder has raised the possibility of having information about the lost coin. Their existence could further prove that Mr. Wright is part of the team that invented Bitcoin. Okay. That's the exact same narrative that we've had for like f- ever since, what was it? Uh, the GQ interview that came out where he was going to sign uh, a transaction from one of the original Satoshi wallets. And he never could do it. Uh, it turned out to, well, he he did something, but it turned out to be a complete fraud. And uh, a lot of people burn their reputations in the fire that is Bitcoin um I guess is a, I don't know, an offering to Pele or something. Who knows? In, in either event, Tulip Trust won the the original argument was that he had put together this tulip trust and that all the 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 million one million early mined coins of or early mined Bitcoin was in that trust. Well, that was turned out to be a forgery or or some such. Thing. I, I'm not exactly sure. There were so many forgeries and so many lying on the record to this particular federal court that it, it kind of boggles the mind that he isn't already like chained to a freaking cage. But then apparently there was this Tulip Trust two or something, I guess, because two comes between one and three. And now we're on three in either event. E- every time this guy opens his mouth and says that he's got something, it either proves to be a forgery, proves to be untrue, or he can't produce like the evidence or something like that. And all the time, the, the BSV bag holders and people like News BTC were saying, this is proof that it's, that he's got it. That Because he filed it. Now he clearly, clearly is Satoshi. No. And here we are again, this time without any warning whatsoever to the prosecutors, to the court, to anybody whatsoever. He dumps over two, over like somewhere like just under 500 documents on these people or pages of documents on these people. That's not really the way that you want to be acting in court. Everything should have been given to the prosecutorial team upon discovery. He's already screwed his discovery in the first part of the trial by forgeries and lying and other not coming up with the information. And here we are yet again with 500 pages of brand new shit. One of them, which references something called the Tulip Trust three And everybody thinks that this is it. It's not. He's lying again. And apparently in the human population, there is enough people that are smart enough to make a shit ton of money, but not smart enough not to give it to this idiot that it makes me wonder why I'm not a scumbag. I really do. I wonder why, why am I sitting here with a bag of ethics my ethics don't buy me shit. My, I can't take my ethics down and go get a freaking Lambo. My ethics basically hold me back, apparently, from doing anything that involves getting shit tons of cash. I'll tell you what my ethics do give me, though. The ability to sleep. Because I don't have to wake up realizing that I'm a scumbag. All right, this next one, a lawsuit alleging Tether and Bitfinex manipulated the Bitcoin market has been dropped. This is Today, written by Patty Baker for Coindesk. A class action lawsuit alleging Tether and Bitfinex manipulated the Bitcoin market has been withdrawn by the plaintiffs. A document filed January the 7th in the District Court of the Western District of Washington shows plaintiffs Eric Young and Adam Kurtz opted for voluntary dismissal of their case against Tether and Bitfinex's parent firm, iFinex. The case was originally filed on November the 22nd. 2019. The plaintiffs, who both claim to be Bitcoin traders, alleged Bitfinex and Tether issued inaccurate information and monopolized and conspired to monopolize the Bitcoin market. Drawing heavily on the case brought by New York's Attorney General last April, they also accused the defendants of manipulating the market by printed, unbacked tethers. When Bitcoin prices were falling, defendants and their co-conspirators printed USDTs and artificially increased the price of Bitcoin, reads the original filing. Once defendants and their co-conspirators artificially inflated the price of Bitcoin, defendants and their co-conspirators then converted the Bitcoin back into USDTs to replenish Tether's reserves. Bitfinex denied the accusations, describing the case as mercenary and baseless, stating it would, con- uh, it would contest any nuisance settlements. A spokesperson from Bitfinex declined to comment on the dropping of the case. So that's really all there is to that. Uh, that, yeah. So the case is now dropped, which probably is pissing the, uh, uh, tether or tether, the Twitter account of Bitfinext, If you have been fa- he blocked me and I don't even really know why I never really tore into his shit. I, I mean, not that I can remember. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I drunk tweeted anyway. He blocked the living crap out of me last year. Like early last year, like sometime like January 2019, I saw nothing out of Bitfinex except, and still don't, except for, you know, when people take a screenshot. Anyway, he, Bitfinex was one of the main uh, proponents of the fact that Bitfinex is evil and using Tether for evil things. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I'm not a fan of trading, so therefore I I really don't care about stable coins, of which Tether is one of the old—actually, I think the oldest successful uh, stable coin. I don't care either way. I really don't because I don't trade. And my advice to anybody else in this game, you shouldn't either, unless you are just a badass— And you have proven to be a badass in several different markets, commodities, and otherwise. Don't trade this shit. And we're also going to get into why you shouldn't have your shit on an exchange here in a minute. But first up, let's talk about this one. BitPay executive, quote, something unforeseen to push Bitcoin over 20000 in 2020. Cointelegraph's William Suberg's writing this morning that... Bitcoin will reach its highest price ever this year due to unforeseen events, which will draw in new buyers, one senior cryptocurrency industry executive says. In an interview with Bloomberg on January the 8th, Sonny Singh, chief commercial officer at payment processor BitPay, claimed that BTCUSD would pass its all time highs of 20,000 in 2020. Disclaimer here, for, for me, BitPay is a horrible Bitcoin company. Actually, they're not even a Bitcoin company. Once they decided to screw Bitcoin the first time, and then the second time, and then the third time, they ceased to become a Bitcoin company. I've been reminded of this in my Twitter feed by people saying, no, they're not a Bitcoin company. I am forced to agree. They are not. They are anti-Bitcoin. They are, I, they, I'll bet they actually write for pro Pro BTC, but be that as it may. The reason, however, would remain unknown until the bullish surge kicked in. Quote, something unforeseen that could happen could really move it faster, end quote, he summarized, supporting his prediction, seeing pointed to historical trends. In 2015, the Greek sovereign debt crisis sparked gains for Bitcoin, while last year saw the sudden announcement of Facebook's Libra digital currency and a worldwide reaction from lawmakers in the wider community. More recently... Rising tensions between the United States and Iran were attributed by some commentators and news media to BTC price rising around 20% over the past week. One publication noted that this may be due to Bitcoin being free from state interference and geopolitical risk. The net result of all such events, he explained, was a small number of new buyers entering the Bitcoin space, and I quote, I don't think people actually went and sold their gold stock and all that and bought Bitcoin. But I see what happens is just a little bit of people start buying Bitcoin, and that, with technical trading, really bumps it up and makes it go a lot higher, a lot faster, end quote. Seeing almost successfully call bitcoin's twenty nineteen high of thirteen thousand eight hundred at the height of the twenty eighteen bear market when the cryptocurrency traded at just three thousand one hundred, he went on record to forecast a fifteen to twenty thousand dollar price tag at some point in the coming twelve months. $20,000 nonetheless remains on the more optimistic end of the spate of recent price predictions from cryptocurrency figures. As Cointelegraph reported, Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz said he expects $12,000 this year, while veteran trader Peter Brant considers a bearish $5,500 likely in July. By contrast, entrepreneur John McA- McAfee recently reneged on a potentially compromising wager with himself, which calls for Bitcoin to trade at $1 by 2021. And oh my God, I think I've got John McAfee's tweet uh, in my stack for daily train wrecks. Hold up. In fact, I do. I just looked and sure enough, I've got John McAfee's quote. So I'm going to use that for today's daily train wreck. Let me make sure that I get that actually done. Any luck, I'll be able to remember to not do the one that I had set up and do the official McAfee account, eat my dick in 12 months tweet that he put out a few days ago. Okay, so there there you go. There's there's that one. And what commentary for this? Un, something unforeseen to push Bitcoin over any price or under any price is ridiculous of course there's something unforeseen that's going to do something to something else. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard anybody say. Well, actually it's not, but it's gotta be top 10, bro. I come on. Something unforeseen is going to give, make me have a, a good day in the next month. That's, that's the honestly, that's the exact same shit as saying this. The fact that it's coming out from somebody that worked at that cesspool of BitPay eh, doesn't surprise me one single bit. This doesn't either. Plasma Group, to halt Ethereum scalability research, says it reached maturity. This is Andrei Shrenenko writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. The nonprofit research organization Plasma Group announced in a January 9th blog post that it would see studying Ethereum scalability. Identifying funding of public goods as the next key challenge, it pledged oh well, sorry, it pledged to donate its remunding funds to Gitcoin. Uh, Plasma Group was founded in January of twenty nineteen. Keep that in mind. With the goal of pushing research toward Ethereum scalability solutions based on Plasma technology. It received funding from a variety of organizations, including the Ethereum Foundation, Consensus Omizgo, Matic Network, and Gitcoin. The nonprofit used this money to conduct research into solving practical obstacles for Layer 2 scaling solutions. The team identified several of its achievements as key, including creating Plasma cash flow implementations, releasing a generalized Plasma specification, and coining optimistic roll-up. Oh, good Lord. These serve primarily to make plasma sidechains into fully-fledged blockchains supporting smart contracts as opposed to just limited money transfer capabilities. After one year of operations, this is the key, one year of operations, Plasma Group reached the conclusion that research efforts into plasma scalability are unneeded as the theoretical base is mature enough. Quote, A year ago, scalability research felt like the most pressing need to us, so we threw everything we had into accelerating it. It is amazing to see the multitude of competent teams pushing production plasma into reality now. This shift from research to implementation means that our mission as a research organization must shift as well. End quote. While acknowledging that scalability is still a high priority, the researchers identified the funding of public goods, such as open source software, as a key challenge. This follows similar statements by Ethereum's founder, Vitalik Buterin, who included this issue as one of the 16 hard problems in blockchain in 2014. While comprehensive actions to shift Plasma Group's focus are yet to be revealed, the nonprofit announced it would donate the entirety of its funding runway to Gitcoin. Gitcoin is a crowdfunding platform focusing on the world of open source development. It offers community source grants to blockchain projects, having previously funded plasma blah, blah, blah. Okay. So that's the end of that one. So a research group dedicated to finding out how to scale Ethereum through plasma after one year of work f- says it's not necessary anymore because they solved it. They solved it. I, don't know one research problem, whether computer science related, biologically related, anatomical research, surgical, re- medical shit. I You freaking name it. If you're conducting actual research, you don't hang it up in a year. It's a multi-year process for problems as big as these. So I don't know what's going on with the plasma group here, but I can guarantee you that it's not because it's mature. I'm just—that's the bet that I make. I—I I, I, one year, dude, no, absolutely freaking no. I personally, I think they're rolling it up just because it's—I mean, hell, even what the parody guys bailed out of Ethereum. Why do you think? There's a couple of other things that are bailing out of Ethereum. There's actually quite a few people that have bailed out of Ethereum. It has to make you wonder why. Okay, more Russians. Russia dominates the cloud-based Bitcoin mining industry. A new report by Token Insight found that Russian visitors to cloud mining sites nearly double that of Chinese visitors. This is Robert Stevens writing sometime this morning for Decrypt.co. The future of cloud-based Bitcoin mining is in Russia, not China, according to a new report by TokenSight published on Friday. This overturns the common conception that China is the only dominant player in the Bitcoin mining industry. With cloud-based mining, users rent a computer system owned by somebody else elsewhere and use this computer's hash power to mine cryptocurrencies. This means the user doesn't have to bother with upfront mining costs like buying a bespoke mining rig and finding a place to put it. Though, or through user analysis on cloud based Bitcoin mining sites, Token Insight discovered that through mainland China's monthly unique visitors are fairly high, those of Russia are even higher. This reflects a strong interest in cloud mining products outside of China, Johnson Zhu, an analyst at Token Site, told Decrypt. In fact, according to data, token site pulled from similar web. Unique monthly visitors from Russia were almost double that of mainland China. Russians comprised around 130,000 unique visitors, while mainland China comprised around 80,000. Next up was Ukraine with around 56,000 monthly users. And those are unique monthly users, by the way. The report at, uh, attributes this to the ease of Russia's policies on cryptocurrency and the weather advantages brought by the cold climate. In addition, Zhu said that the Bitcoin network hash rate, the speed at which the complex computational processes can generate Bitcoin, they're not really complex computational processes, people. They're guesses. They're making guesses. It's not like they're solving freaking calculus, okay? So just don't let that shit get in your way. Okay, Let's try that again. In addition, the Bitcoin hash rate is concentrated in mainland China, which potentially reduces demand for cloud-based Bitcoin mining within the country. After all, why would Chinese miners bother using the cloud when the country's already got the infrastructure for setting up their own mining rigs? Zhu estimates that the market outside of China will become even larger due to the increased awareness of crypto mining outside of China and the fact that markets outside of China are less saturated with mining products. For those considering investing in cloud-based Bitcoin mining, Russia, or otherwise, one piece of advice can be inferred from Token Insights report. Go big or go home. Oh, God. I might have to put that in the commentary. Uh, sorry, that that kind of throws me for a loop. Yeah, I'm going to talk about go big or go home. Keep that in mind. Around 60% of all cloud-based Bitcoin mining contracts last between six months and a year, but the market is moving at such a rapid pace that the less powerful miners quickly become unprofitable. Quote, most of the Bitcoin mining products are unprofitable under current network difficulty in Bitcoin price, said the report. This will only get worse once the block halving event occurs around May of this year, which cuts the block reward in two quote, assume that the block reward is halved. The hash rate of the entire network is also reduced by the same proportion. Less than half of the cloud-based Bitcoin mining products tracked by Token Insight cannot make a positive ROI, it added. It's clear that Russians will have to bring their A-game to thrive in the cloud-based Bitcoin mining industry and their wallet. Okay, so A, Russians, not Chinese, are apparently the... uh, have now become the larger interested parties in cloud mining, and like the like decrypt, uh, like this guy says for decrypt, dude. If you're going to get into to cloud mining, it's or actually to tell you the truth, for Bitcoin mining, you know it's just God that it's such a cutthroat business, I man. You really, really playing with fire, and this is quite possibly the only place that the term "go big or go home." Might actually make sense. All right, so I want to talk about that that term for a a couple of minutes here. Go big or go home. What the hell does it mean? Well, let's talk about where it came from. Where it came from was said by a gentleman by the name of Sonny Perdue. Who the hell was Sonny Perdue? Well, Sonny Perdue was the Secretary of Agriculture for the United States back in the 70s. Um, And... He he gave this speech that he where he coined the phrase "go big or go home," and what and what it was for was he was talking directly to the American farmer, and with the advent of, of farming subsidies and a whole bunch of other stuff, there, the Secretary of Agriculture had a lot of power under Jimmy Carter and and like the you know around that era, right. Um, and farming at the time in the United States was, it wasn't that it was small as an industry. It was big. There was just a shit ton of farmers, you know, they, farming had been part of the American landscape since before America was America and family farms were were everywhere. I, there were like, you know, fifth generation farmers and shit, you know, my daddy did it. His daddy did it. His daddy's daddy did it. You know, that kind of thing. And that's nothing to sneeze at. Hell, at least if you go off as a child from a farming family that has a family farm and shit just gets out of control for you as as a person and you just don't want to deal anymore, you can go home and there's food. There's going to be food at home that you don't have to buy. You got to work your ass off to make it. But it's, so easily done. Well, around this time that the go big go home thing came out, because of subsidies, the only way that that we, that the Department of Agriculture decided to make this work was to basically pull down their pants and t- take a giant dump on the American family farm and told the American family farm that if you are not this many acres, we are not interested in helping you. Sell your farm to huge conglomerates and we will bring this nation to an agricultural utopia where corn is everywhere. And, and, and now we, that this, this brings us to where we are today. Look around yourself. Is our food actually nutritious? Most of the people that are in Bitcoin under, are starting to understand just how piss poor our food is. So, and I had just got finished uh, talking to somebody on uh, a couple, actually it was, um, oh, let's see, here, who's my my buddy, Secretary of Bitcoin. I was in a discussion with him. Secretary, it's Sec of Bitcoin on Twitter, at Sec, SEC of Bitcoin. And we were just talking about this. In fact, let me see, um, he had tweeted out this, this, Thing about um, there's a, a vice story where farmers are buying 40 year old tractors because they're actually repairable. And I'm not going to get into just how bad this whole John Deere, you know, these modern tractors are. It's not that they're bad. It's just that they're so they're like modern cars. They're so linked into their computer. If the computer goes down, you're screwed. There's you ain't doing you you're going nowhere. You're harvesting or planting nothing. You are not applying anything. You ain't doing shit when that computer is gone because you can't even start the freaking engine. And there's, a, there's been a huge thing, backlash about this from farmers to John Deere as to why they're not allowed to get the information that they need to be able to do the work on their tractors themselves like they used to do. All right, so that backlash has gotten so bad that American farmers are actually looking out and buying 40-year-old, 30-year-old, and maybe 20-year-old tractors, probably not because the, some of the GPS plugins started coming around that time. And they're plugging in their own GPS and, and putting on like auto drive stuff. But at least in this particular case, because the computer doesn't control everything, hell, they can at least still drive it. So we get into this discussion about like one of the, we're not in a discussion about go big or go home, but we're in this discussion. And all of a sudden um, I say something or or basically said, you know, was reminded of the whole go big and go home and every time I hear somebody say that, I've got the tweet here. I say, now anytime, says, anytime someone says, go big or go home, I try to ascertain whether or not they understand what they really meant in the 70s or if they just think it sounds cool. If it's the latter, I dismiss their existence and the existence of their entire fucking bloodline because they don't know what the hell that means. They don't know that go big or go home destroyed the American family farm. All of it. There are very few of them left there. Many are, are starting to come back, but they're not family farms. They won't be family farms until three generations from now when you can truly actually call something a family farm. So there's my rant on that. But, you know, I, I figure it was, it was worth it because I, if you hear somebody say, go big or go home, and they're not talking about how that phrase destroyed American farming. Do me a favor. Grab them by the tie and slap the shit out of them. <laughs> okay. Bitmain's Texas Bitcoin mining farm is in the news again because it's hit a snag. DMG Blockchain Solutions has ended its agreement with Bitcoin mining company Bitmain to host its new Rockdale, Texas-based crypto mining facility. Nicholas Marinoff is writing for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. Bitmain, one of the largest cryptocurrency mining farms in the world, has ended its agreement with digital currency company DMG Blockchain Solutions. In a press release issued Monday, crypto company DMG explained that both it and Bitmain had mutually terminated the present agreement uh, that existed between both ventures citing a lack of cost and operational efficiencies DMG has been in lead with Bitmain since last October to manage its new Rockdale Texas mining facility which Bitmain had previously stated would be the largest cryptocurrency mining operation across the globe with approximately 300 megawatts of power at present it's unclear what this means for the Texas Bitcoin mining farm and neither DMG nor Bitmain have responded to Decrypt's request for comment. But if Texas is now out of the question, it does appear that DMG and Bitmain are exploring other opportunities together, including the use of DMG's Christina Lake facility in British Columbia, Canada, as well as additional sites that may serve Bitmain's interest. DMG has agreed to host roughly 1,000 mining machines at the Christina Lake facility, which were sent by executives of Bitmain in late December. The company said all miners have been installed, are completely functional, and will consume approximately 1.5 megawatts of power. Guys, that's about one and a half shipping containers full of miners. Just to put it in visual perspective. So way small, bro, way small. We are excited to begin working with this new client and are confident they will be one of many we add during 2020, said DMG COO Sheldon Bennett in a statement. DMG made a decision to focus on attracting large-scale hosting clients as profitable crypto mining is a function of creating cost efficiencies and our mining facility is well-suited for industrial miners. Bitmain's Texas project has been saddled with problems from the start. Through plans, oh, sorry, though plans for the facility were first announced in 2018, the crypto winter that followed caused the company to hold back on all its construction goals as mining was quickly losing profitability. Prior, the company had stated that the facility would pump $500 million into the local economy and introduce 400 new jobs. Texas has become something of a mining hotspot over the past year. A month after opening of Bitmain's facility, Windstone Incorporated, a builder of high-speed uh, data centers, announced that it was joining forces with Germany-based Northern Bitcoin AG to open new cryptocurrency mining facility in the Lone Star State. Development of the uh, d- development is now underway and is slated to be complete by the end of 2020. And there you go. There's a little bit more, but that's this is all for it. Um, so. This was this thing was released Monday, and I think I started Tuesday or somewhere in in uh, yesterday or Wednesday show. I had read a story about how DMG and Bitmain were gonna rock the shit out of the Lone Star state. And here we are, you know looking at my watch a couple of days later, and the whole thing is falling apart. Makes you kind of wonder what the hell's going on at management over there at Bitmain and and or dmg i mean what the hell now here's my huge problem with this did they get any money out of the rockdale chamber of commerce or probably i mean rockdale probably has a chamber of commerce but rockdale's 6000 people guys so their chamber of commerce is probably not flush with enough cash to be able to do sweet deals like give them like, I don't know, like cut them checks for $25,000, you know, for a few months uh, and and abate all their taxes like some f- chamber of commerces or economic development agencies of towns will do. My question is, is the Rockdale's in a County in Texas. And I'm wondering if the County, I'm wondering if any Texas money hit the wallets of either DMG or Bitmain at all before they decided to screw the state of Texas. Texas doesn't necessarily like to be screwed with. So just keep that in mind in either event. Um, It looks like this whole deal with Bitmain might have just gone up and gone nuclear and Windstone seems to be the only one left. We're going to have to see if Windstone uh, doesn't hang themselves out to dry either. All right. So um, now this next one is one of the ones that you read or that I read to you for the sole reason of enforcing the following policy that you should you should follow the policy of not your keys, not your Bitcoin. In this case, it's not your keys, not your shitcoin. Just in, Cobenhood Exchange shuts down for audit. That's right. Christine Vasileva is writing for Bitcoinist.com sometime this morning. Audit suddenly announced for a, get this guys, one month period. (laughs) What does this sound like? Cobenhood, one of the last exchanges to support multiple altcoins, has turned up with a worrying message. The market stated it is closing for an audit, but such news coming on the tail of other exchange closings are taken as a negative sign. The tweet from Cobenhood, which is at Cobenhood, C-O-B-I-N-H-O-O-D. Hood Exchange is shutting down and auditing all account balances from January 10th to February 9th in 2020. It will be reopened on February the 10th, 2020. All Cobenhood users can then retrieve their funds accordingly. Please do not make any deposits. It may result in permanent loss. And that was written at 3 a.m. this morning, my time on January the 10th. Uh, the exchange itself is promised to reopen within days. <laughs> you mean weeks. <laughs> but the news of the audit arrives, arrives just months after Copenhood received a scare about an exit scam as it lost track of its CEO, Popo Chen. (laughs) Uh, Since then, the exchange continued to operate, though not on the brightest reputation. While the exchange survived the exit scam scare, it seems there is problem or its problems with liquidity have remained. The exchange operator has promised it would open its wallets for withdrawals and has warned that new deposits will not be counted and can lead to permanent losses. The funds will be available after February 10th with no other news of the future of the exchange. The periods of technical support have also marked the crash of changes like Cryptopia, as well as Quadriga CX, one of our favorites. Until Copenhagen reopens, the doubts may remain. <laughs> may? Ah! The abrupt closing of a market also causes some of the assets to go through price anomalies. Hood, with its 50 current pairs reported, has shrank its volumes to zero, as reported by CoinMarketCap. The exchange has always reported extremely low volumes, with its native COB token having just $69 in volumes per day. (laughs) But the market operator has been used used by small-scale projects, despite uh, desperate to get a listing, Copenhagen closes at a time when small-scale exchanges have been hit hard with new EU regulations, stricter reporting rules, the need to disqualify some countries, and track the movement of digital assets put a new burden on cryptocurrency service providers. Even in the case of an exit scam, Hood will probably lead to relatively small losses. The crypto community is not showing any panic in relation to the exchange's closing. So far, there are no signs of a hack or other unexpected activity except for the generally low volumes and a slightly damaged reputation of the exchange. covid hood lines up with multiple projects that boomed during better times, especially with altcoin and token trading. But the exchange finally became a casualty of the bear market, which shook down low-quality projects. Low-quality projects, people. Hood, probably a victim of proof of keys. I hope. I'm actually. I. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't hope. I don't want anybody losing their money. But God, I. How long do people have to tell you not your keys, not your coin? I just don't keep your shit on exchanges, especially around January the 3rd. January the 3rd is now traditionally the proof of keys days. And if you have zero liquidity because you don't have coins, or if you've got low liquidity, it may signal that you really don't have the things that you say you have. And then all of a sudden here comes proof of keys day on January 3rd and slaps the living crap out of you. And they, I had no idea that they had lost their C, their CEO. <laughs> how do you lose track of your chief executive officer anyway? I, I'm telling you guys, this space is full of scammers, cheats, liars, scumbags, snake oil salesmen. It's up to you to figure out how to identify the crap. And generally speaking, I do it in a very simplistic way. If it's not Bitcoin, it's shitcoin. On to a beaten popular Korean crypto YouTuber badly beaten after threats from angry advisors. Coindesk's Daniel Palmer is writing this morning, a South Korean crypto YouTuber was assaulted at his home with some suggesting the attackers may have been by ups. The attackers may have been upset. Investors. Q Hoon, quote, spunky Huang was beaten in an elevator at his apartment block around 1 a.m. local time on Friday, according to CoinDesk Korea. <clears throat> Seoul's Shandong police station said it was seeking two suspects who attacked Huang with a blunt weapon, baseball bat, and then escaped. While the victim's injuries are not life threatening, he's reported to be receiving treatment in a hospital, quoted as judged to be a planned crime aimed at Huang's life, end quote, said a community notice from Coin Runners, a trading group run by Huang's company BitGosu. The team said in the notice that it is severely shocked and will focus on security after Huang's release from hospital. The self-described influencer has been discussing cryptocurrency on his YouTube channel, Spunky's Bitcoin Broadcasting. Since October of 2017, when he launched BitGosu, according to the report, the channel has around 59,000 subscribers, making Huang one of the most popular crypto YouTubers in South Korea. BitGosu has been involved in cryptocurrency-related marketing, including ICOs, and has a total of 10 employees. It's also, oh, sorry, it also prompted something of a scandal after CoinRunner's members said to have lost funds. CoinRunners said in the notice that some members had threatened to kill employees as a result. CoinRunners is a members only service with around 1,000 subscribers that offer both free and paid gold memberships. A representative called CoinDesk Korea members are provided cryptocurrency price analysis from Huang and receive recommendations on ICO investments. <laughs> that's a way to get your ass killed. Coin Runners, Coin Runners Gold and Bitcoin YouTube channels will be temporarily suspended and we will decide whether to resume business a representative said at press time. Huang's channel is still active. So, shitcoin trader, that gets shitcoiner or, or that turns good upstanding citizens of South Korea into shitcoinery um gets his ass Handed to him with a baseball bat inside his elevator at his home. I'm telling you, man, if you're engaging in shit coinery, this is your future, pal. This is your future. I, I mean, if if you tell nobody, like if you are a closet shit coiner, you're probably going to escape. But if you're out there on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, and you are desperately trying to get somebody to buy great, big, large bags of crap, a Louisville slugger is most likely in your future, and that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, let's get our song going. <clears throat> I haven't done one in a couple of days. I, I don't know. I just... I just kind of wanted to shake things up, but I, I, I got I to gotta play this one for today. A, because it's Friday and you need to jam the hell out on Friday. You just have to, man. You got to. But before we get into that, I want to go back to the whole lawyer of Bitcoin, Stephen D. Pally. When I was when I was looking or you're kind of needing to get some other information about this whole Craig Wright and the Tulip Trust three thing, I always pop over to Steven Pally because Steven's got, he's got the goods on pretty much all the court cases that are, that are pending about cryptocurrency and or Bitcoin. And sure enough, there it was, but I looked and I'd never, I either, he changed his banner on Twitter or I had never noticed it before, but apparently I mean, unless he's just thinks it looks cool. Steven Pally rocks out as an ax man with a guitar, man. I didn't know that because his banner is an old school, very high quality, very well known overdrive distortion pedal. (laughs) I, you look at the guy and you got to be thinking late fifties, Stephen. if you're listening and I know you're not. If I've completely mischaracterized your age and you're actually 35, God, I'm sorry, dude. But if that's the case, you need to stop being a lawyer because it's making you look way older than you really are. I think he's actually probably in his late 50s, maybe mid-60s. In either event, if you're playing electric guitar and you've got a distortion pedal, you could be 95 freaking years old and you'll always be 20. That's just the way that shit is. How do I know? Because of Van Halen. promised your daily train wrecked is brought to you by john mcafee at official mcafee on twitter eat my dick in 12 months a ruse to onboard new users it worked bitcoin was first it's an ancient technology all know it newer blockchains have privacy smart contracts distributed apps and more bitcoin is our future was the model t the future of the automobile is so grown worthy okay that's that's new man he wrote that on the 5th of january 2020 that's like a few days ago now for all the uninitiated john mcafee was the guy that started the virus uh antivirus company mcafee crazy the dude is just batshit crazy he's actually seems like he's a lot of fun Would I want to party with him? Hell no. The dude is like, he gets hammered and puts like drugs in his butt. I'm serious, man. That's not an exaggeration. He explained in detail how to take bath salts as an enema, like packing your butt full of bath salts. And for the, if you don't know what bath salts are, just Google bath salts and face eating. Be aware, you're going to be horrified if you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so McAfee uses the Model T. The Model T thing. Oh boy, the Model T. No. (sighs) No. Bitcoin is not the Model T. Bitcoin is the invent, not really even invention of Henry Ford. Henry Ford didn't invent the assembly line. What Henry Ford did is figure out that the assembly line was the perfect piece to put into his car building plans to become the Ford that it became. All right. It's the company. Actually, it's not even the company Ford. It's the idea of a human to cobble together things that work and since henry ford decided to put in a, to build an assembly line version of his ford they were able to build not only as many model t's as they could possibly build and cut the price down so low that a lot of people that you never would have thought would have been able to afford a car back then were suddenly able to afford a car it's not the company it certainly isn't the freaking product It's the idea, but since Henry Ford decided to do that, every major car manufacturer to this day uses some form of assembly line, whether or not that assembly line is populated by human beings or robots or a mixture of the two. It was the cobbling together of the technologies to bring about a revolution in transportation. I'm not sure why John has decided to flip on Bitcoin, but because I'm not in his brain, and thank God, because I'd probably go Looney Tunes, but I can say, I, I'm going to say be able to say this. I don't think he ever intended to give a shit about anything but money. The guy is batshit crazy. He does not care about you. He doesn't care about doesn't seem to really care about anything but getting hammered, being on his boat and running for president and being shirtless with a bunch of gun toting bros. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Second Amendment guy. Okay, if don't even think about taking the Second Amendment away. But still, if I'm drunk hammered on a yacht and I can't get off and I got a bunch of coke snorting basalt doing shirtless bros that are armed to the freaking teeth I'm gonna worry about my safety just a little bit just a little just because people are freaking crazy and if John's crazy you can imagine the people that he associates with in either event McAfee is completely wrong he misled everybody <sighs> He made sure or he they basically telegraphed that in this particular tweet. So if if you want to listen to John talk about shit coins, I, I then that's up to you. Okay, because that's all he's gonna do from now on. He he's never gonna be able to to roll back on this one. So here's what I gather. I suspect he will start spouting BSV. I don't think he's going to go over to the BCH side. I can't make any any bets because I I don't gamble that way. If I'm going to gamble, I'm going to stack sats. That's the only gambling I do. Don't go to Vegas. I don't have a bookie, and I'm not taking your bets on Twitter as to what John's going to do. But if I was a betting man, I would bet anybody that John goes over to BSV, starts shilling the hell out of it, and we're going to have to deal with that shit coinery forever in a frickin' day. Anyway, there's your smoldering pile. (laughs) Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. I hear in Africa they tried an experiment where they blessed the reins. It was a total failure. (laughs) yes, sir. That was purpose built for Bitcoin Twitter. Why? Because all of us love the Africa Toto bot that every once in a while just brings a smile to my face to see across my feed. I bless the rains down in Africa from Toto bot. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So it's Friday. Um, I'm not going to do any shows on the weekend. Um, I did shows every day this week, except for Monday because Monday was, well, Monday was Monday. Um, Let's see if I do daily shows next week. Until then, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.